If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth, as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Bonjour from Paris. Hello, my friends. I'm recording this episode live from my hotel room in Paris and to be actually really honest with you guys it is 2 50 a.m and this is my first night sleeping in Paris I you know I'm technically six hours behind uh you know my sleeping schedule but I probably like I didn't really think it was going to affect my sleeping schedule but I think what did have an impact was the fact that I took an well originally it was supposed to be just an hour nap I took like a four hour nap like after walking around all day and so I like I took a nap from 5 30 to 9 o'clock or 9 30 or something okay so I guess I meant four hour nap anyways that kind of screwed up my sleeping schedule I'm supposed to be up tomorrow probably by like 7 7 30 and then getting ready I'm meeting up with a friend here in Paris so I'm super excited for that but anyways I posted a poll on the Waffle Fills You Instagram today asking you guys if you would still want me to do a bonus episode this week, even if the audio quality might not be as, I don't know, great as it usually is because I don't know how this voice memo is going to come out. I'm actually recording this from my phone. I'm not even using AirPods. Sometimes I, I feel like AirPods don't actually make the quality as good so I'm trying it where I'm speaking directly into the phone so I guess I will know once I edit the episode but um, I figured there are some thoughts I have relating to transitioning from college to early 20s and to preface this is applicable this the whole topic is applicable whether you are already graduated or not but This was recommended by a previous intern of mine, shout out to you, and 
I realize it is that time of year and I do know that a lot of you guys who are listening, you are probably in your early 20s, some of you are also in your mid-20s, but the topics I talk about today are still very applicable in any part of your 20s in my opinion because I still apply a lot of these principles in the transitions I've gone through in my life since graduating, since moving, all of those things. And so I want to just start it off by saying that I recently read a book that is focused around the principles and I guess you could say like thoughts that uh, someone I look up to, his name is Naval Ravikant. you guys can look him up. Um, there was a book that was written kind of, I think, by Eric Jorgensen that really touched on Naval's principles and his framework in thinking in life. And he said something along the lines of the three biggest decisions you make in your life that I completely agree with. And those three are where you live, who you're with, and what you do. And I want to really use those three decisions as a framework for today's episode, starting out with deciding where you want to live. I personally believe this is very important and undervalued slash underspoken about in high school, in college. And, And I speak about high school as well because I was actually giving a talk at my high school couple of weeks ago and I told these students I was encouraging them because I know back then no one was encouraging me to, th- to do this in fact I remember one of the college prep counselors actually advised me not to go to California if I'm not mistaken like I remember complaining about that to my dad because I was telling this guy that I, my plans were you know all the schools I were I was applying to was all California And I think he said something like, I should apply to some on the East Coast and all of these things. And while I understand the logic of his recommendation and his advice, the thing is, I was very set on going to California. That is what I wanted, and that was what I was going to pursue. And yes, technically, it's great to have a plan B, but from my experience and my personal belief, I believe that if you set up your if you set yourself up to have a plan B, you will not do what it takes fully to go all in on what you really want. So in at that time I was 18, I really wanted to be in Southern California, no questions asked. And of course, I ended up there one way or another. And so if you are if you happen to be in high school listening to this, highly highly recommend if you're able to and when I say able to, I'm really talking like financially go out of state and even in regards to high school to college I would personally recommend from again from speaking from experience it's probably going to cost maybe the same depending where if you're going to an out-of-state school like the public school tuition versus a private school tuition I say that because I actually paid more going to UC Irvine than I did at Chapman University and Chapman is you know where I graduated from but I paid less there and I'm I'm pretty sure like the out-of-state tuition at UC Irvine was maybe like three thousand dollars less than Chapman's um so let's just say ballpark they're already roughly the same and then the cost of living is the same because they're both in Orange County but 
I had a scholarship at Chapman as well when I transferred based on my GPA. So that still cut off a good chunk of the tuition. So yeah, obviously that's part of it as well. But definitely keep that in mind that um, if you're going to go out of state, don't limit yourself to certain things based on lack of knowledge. Now, if we're talking about early 20s, you're graduating college soon-ish, whenever that might be, or maybe you've already graduated, but you realize you haven't really left the place, you know, maybe it's your hometown or the, the, the general area of where you went to school and you realize it's time to switch. Here are my thoughts. Number one, go in environments you believe would actually suit you. So, for example, New York slash London, because I know you guys are also listening globally, right? They're both fast-paced. They're, they're business finance-oriented, fashion-oriented, lots to do. They pretty much have every market that you can think of or every uh, career sector is, is what I'm really saying. Um, but of course, it specializes in the classic, you know, business, finance, fashion. You can you can really do any of the above in New York and London. And it's great if you love fast paced or if you want to at least experience it. You have the desire to experience something relatively fast paced. New York, London is, you know, obviously top two in the world. You guys, I've been drinking Magic Mind for months now, and I have to say, it's freaking gold. I mean, it literally tastes so good that I sometimes drink it twice a day, which, by the way, nothing wrong with doing so, but they do recommend only one a day. So that goes to show how much I do really love this stuff. And I did drink one before starting my workday today. So why I love Magic Mind so much is because it actually makes me feel really calm and focused and it's also that perfect push that gets me into my flow state, which is what it's meant to do. And I'll share a few key facts and ingredients in this product. So it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee. If you drink coffee for energy and focus, I personally don't. I like to drink Magic Mind with my coffee or just after because the morning coffee and just making coffee, like I just don't want to give that up. It also helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And the best part, it is all natural ingredients, including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been thinking about it for a while, I highly recommend you give this a try. It comes in a box of 15, and it's definitely the perfect amount for the month. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Enjoy. Now, alternatively, let's say you're like, I want to try something laid back and sunny all year round, like surfer beach vibes. Okay, obviously, I'm talking Los Angeles. I lived there as well. And, you know, it's slower paced. I enjoyed it. But that was why I, you know, left because the like, where you go as well, you got to remember, the saying birds with the same feathers flock together so where you go even if the people that are transplants like they come there they eventually become like the general um I don't want to use the word stereotype but the general quote-unquote vibe of the city 
or of the environment, right? You, you end up blending in, you become part of that society. So LA is more slow paced and, you know, entertainment oriented, all of that. But with that being said, I didn't like slow paced. And then I couldn't really find as many people that were in alignment with me in that regard, because most people, again, were also slow paced, especially if they're from California. Um, and I'm not saying like they're sluggish, but compared to the pace that I grew up in on the East Coast, even though I grew up in Pennsylvania, like I love, I missed that East Coast energy and like the fast city energy. So um, I just knew long term, it was most likely not going to be the best for me. If we're still sticking within the US, you know, Austin, Texas, for example, great Midwest vibes, smaller city, no specific niche, all of those things. So I point these out because first and foremost, and I'll dive into it, I do think that everyone should really experience a city in general in your 20s, um, especially if you have nothing holding you back, you should really experience it. It it teaches you a lot. It, it kind of makes you a little, you know, rough and tough. You know what I mean? Like there are going to be things that happen where you're like, oh my God, uh, that sucked. But you might not get that same learning experience from living in a suburb city. But most importantly, though, go where you want to go, not where your friends or someone else like your parents or, you know, advisors convinced you, you got to see the world while you can and, and go where you feel aligned with. That's a big mistake that I would say a lot of people make is this, this FOMO effect of, oh my god, well, XYZ is going there and everyone seems to be going here. Like, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was apparently leaving New York. Guess what? Everyone's like fucking back in New York now. And the rent is insanely like even harder than pre-pandemic prices. And then as well as like Austin and Miami, everyone's like, oh, everyone during the pandemic in the US left for Austin and Miami. And like they left all these states and all these things. And, and, and you ought to remember, great you but don't listen to what other people are saying and doing go where you want to go when I told people that I was going to move to New York well first off I moved to LA during the fucking pandemic so just think about the reactions there right didn't give a shit I didn't give a shit because look LA is is great I wanted I, I knew that I had no interest in going out to the bars and doing all these pre-pandemic things so I was like I'm okay with just going to restaurants and the, for the short time, I, I had to eat outside only. But I was like, you know what? Like, it is what it is. And I knew that I was eventually going to go to New York, you know, once I felt like it was optimal timing, which I got lucky that I, I planned it so well, because I moved here the end of summer 2021 in New York. That's why I didn't let the opinions of other people, especially their thoughts on where the city was going to go, all of these things, I didn't let that convince me not to go if that makes sense and I'm reiterating that for you guys I do want to point out as well if for any of you guys who listen to Tim Ferriss I love Tim Ferriss he's great um, he's a podcast that I've listened to for many years now but I, ca I can't remember the top of my head who the guest was I will try my best to go back and find the episode and if I do I will be linking it in the show notes but it was if I'm not mistaken, it was with a professor from NYU. This was probably a couple years ago. I'm talking 2018, 2019. And I remember I was driving from Irvine to San Diego to go see my boyfriend at the time. And I was listening to this episode and this guy was talking about, 
the importance of living in a metropolitan city. And at the time, too, I had no interest in living in New York. I was like, you know, I I felt like Southern California was where I was going to stay, all of these things. But I remember his comments about the things that you gain from living in a metro city that you, you don't, will never really get to experience in other cities. It really hit me. And I think that's where the light bulb went off in introducing this like FOMO effect almost of like, oh my gosh, Emily, you're not going to be able to learn the way you would if you were to live in a city like New York. And in my opinion, you know, it's like, okay, why the metro? Why, why live in a metro city? Well, for example, the difference between San Diego and New York. And San Diego is also still a city, but very different, right? But in a big metro city like Chicago, New York, you know, you could probably include Miami in that a little bit, London, Paris, Milan, like cities like that, they are fast-paced. They expose you to many different types of people. And because of all of those things, it makes you more street smart and savvy, which are just life skills that you gain from doing life. And that just unfortunately, you can't get the same type of quick life skills. You can't learn it or acquire it in such a short period of time, um, you know, from the metro city compared to if you were to do that in a suburb, slower paced city, like I lived in Orange County for a couple of years, like, yeah, it taught me a lot. But my goodness, yeah, living in a city like New York has truth, truthfully, like taught me a lot more has made me feel more at home. But then again, that was something I wanted for myself. I knew that I am fast paced, that I, I knew that the people in New York would likely be more similar in that aspect because of what most people come to the city for and then again you got to remember too maybe you are the type of person that realizes like yeah I don't see myself in a big city long term like I see myself going to a more chill city like Austin or Dallas and you know totally cool right Um, but if you're able to do the faster paced city for three to six months and maybe you like it but again if it's still not your vibe you'll still learn a lot. You'll be able to be like, yeah, I got to live in New York or Chicago or wherever for three, six months. Like it, time goes fast, you know? And honestly, in my mind, I I see myself in New York long-term, but if there's ever a time that I want to go anywhere short-term for like three to six months, it would probably be Paris or Milan or London, like just a city that is still fast paced, but then maybe like the language barrier is going to force me to grow or maybe like the different cultures, right? But then again, I consider New York home, so I wouldn't want to go for more than three to six months. And also like I can I can go for three months without getting a visa, for example. So that's nice as well, where it's like, okay, I can pause and, and pick back up and and just but yeah I can go for 90 days and then come back which if you think about it not that long it's it's still a really good experience when it comes to making decisions about where you want to live I like to combine both short-term and long-term thinking so like I said I, I would do a city abroad for a shorter period of time you know three months maybe six to nine months if I find a way to do that and then maybe you are someone that lives in that makes it easier where the visa aspect isn't an issue or maybe it's like within the U.S. think about okay two to three years two to four years maybe even longer um ask ask yourself what kind of lifestyle do you want for me 
personally, I grew up in a rural town of 8,000 people. So I think my soul has always yearned for a faster paced environment. And I've talked to people who have raised families in cities as well. And I think it, it just teaches you a lot that you don't get from the suburbs and let alone like the rural area that I grew up in. And that's to show you, you know, not everyone wants a suburb life for family. And but maybe you do like that is totally okay, too. So in that case, if you know you lean towards that, then that's a great way where you can kind of think about the timeline of, okay, if I eventually believe that I'm going to go back to a suburb place or maybe maybe it's just like outside the city, for example, if you like New York, maybe you end up settling somewhere in Connecticut or Westchester, New York, like somewhere out in the suburbs, right? And you think, okay, maybe, hopefully around 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, whatever that looks like for you. Again, we're not talking precise numbers here, but we're thinking just envision what what would it what would it be for me? I would say, like again, I want to be in the city long term, um, but when I'm when I'm like buying a place, that kind of thing, maybe like twenty nine, thirty, you know. So I still have like at least a few years, um, so it's no rush. But now I get to like enjoy the early stages of being here. But then if you're someone that's like, okay, I want to move out of this metro city most likely around this this age time frame then that's how you can kind of think short term and long term from that perspective all right so let's dive into making new friends in your 20s honestly one of my favorite topics do i feel like i've kind of mastered it a little bit but here's why let me break it down from like all the way coming from college time so I will say most of my closest friends today are people I have met after graduating. So for those of you who are in college right now and maybe you don't feel like you've truly met your people yet or truly met people that are 90 to 100% alignment and again it's always very hard to find that 100% alignment or even 90% but in college you'll often maybe find it to be more like 60-70%. And you're like, okay, these are great, but we'll we'll see how it goes long, long term, right? For me, some of my closest friends today are like my former coworkers, mutual friends of people I, you know, knew. Like, so for example, it's like maybe someone that I met after college and then I met a friend through them. But, you know, the question might be, okay, why are these people closer to me like why are these people I consider the close friends well for me it's a few things it's it's all about like-mindedness and the like-mindedness I break it down into a few categories lifestyle taste values career sector drive slash ambition lifestyle taste is always at the forefront for me because lifestyle consists of literally what you do in your life do you work out a lot? Are you active? So if you are, wouldn't you want a friend that has a similar interest? So maybe on a Sunday, you're like, hey, do you want to go on a long walk, grab coffee and just talk and catch up, right? Someone that is interested in being like, hell yeah, I want to get my steps in today would be down. Someone that's like not as interested in, you know, staying active, they might be like, oh, that's such a drag, right? Alternatively, it's like the same thing for when you go out. Some people love to go to 
dive bars all the time super cool personally not my style I'm more of like a bougie cocktail lounge girl I'll admit it you know it is what it is I live in New York I that's just that's what I love but with that being said it's like okay obviously I would want some friends that have the same interest and you know maybe have the ability to afford to do the same thing I hate to put it in those terms but you guys that is some of the reasons why I didn't have like the ability to like have as close of friends back in the day in college because I remember the first time I ever went out to eat was uh, by myself was at True Food Kitchen. I went to Newport Beach and I went alone because A, I finally was like, I want to just do it. I want to do something alone. I want to test it. But number two, I think at the time I didn't really have anyone that had the interest of eating there because it's like a healthier place, maybe a little bit on the pricier side for a college kid. Um, and again, it's not like a Mastro Steakhouse type place, but it was like, I don't know, maybe $20 for a typical dish, give or take. Okay. I forget the pricing, but that's a, an example right there is like from that moment, I was like, I will not settle for mediocre friendships. And I want friends that have interest in in doing some of this, like going out to eat with me or maybe in the future, like being able to go on like a fun trip together and where you don't have to kind of um, give up like your own taste for like what hotel you want to stay at or things like that, right? Again, it's like, it seems shallow and weird to talk about, but the truth is you guys, you'll run into this problem more than you think in your 20s, especially when people are starting to get married and people are having bridal showers and bachelorette things and all of that kind of stuff that comes into play when it comes to like affordability and what fits in people's budgets and that's part of how life works you know it's like unfortunately it would be hard to consistently spend time with someone that had no you know that a has no interest or little to no interest in the types of places you like to go to but especially if the reason is in part because of affordability aspects and um that also usually comes into play with like the type of job they have or maybe their ambition to do better in their job like for example I brought this up um a couple episodes ago but I have a friend that um who's really close to me and she works a normal full-time job has a great salary and because we live in New York, she realizes she wants and needs a little bit of like a bonus, like, you know, income. So she works another very simple part-time job um, at like a fitness place. And I think that's really incredible because A, it shows work ethic and dedication and realizing like, hey, you know, I need to make sure I, I upkeep a certain level of income. But also it's like, she's aware, okay, this is the cost of living in New York and that's also part of the experience if I want to go out and enjoy some of the best things in New York which is like the food the dining aspect which many of us know in New York is very expensive you have to find a way to do that and so um, again I think there's many ways to be able to to achieve that but I think that also kind of comes into the other parts of like-mindedness which is kind of like your career sector slash like your drive and values I think all of those really correlate with one, with one another because if you are driven to do well for yourself, not necessarily to be 
rich or wealthy, but to be able to afford to do the things that you want to do or to eventually do so, you're going to be able to surround yourself with the people that want to do the same. And more importantly, you will actually enjoy being around the people that maybe are already doing it and you are like on the come up in that process, right? So um, yeah, wanted to be transparent there. I do think that's like a big factor that comes into friendships um, once you are working and you're in your early mid-20s and especially as you progress into like a couple years after post-grad because then people are leveling up at different rates than other people, you know, or some people are starting in like a more tech-based or software engineering type um, based career where the salary is obviously starting much higher than someone working in sales or working in marketing so um some of that again it comes into play when it when it's like when you're trying to plan a trip together or when you're trying to figure out like types of restaurants you can go to during that weekend like that that's all part of it in terms of how to meet new people i would say an easy one is social apps instagram is a great one slide into people's dms like one of my best friends Allie, she slid into my dms last year i want to say it was like about a year ago and you know even for me people still reach out all the time and even in new york right and depending on my schedule i'm usually open too so yeah for those of you in new york you guys probably know this and if you've reached out to me before um but at the same time as well like i have to see if it actually makes sense or if there's there seems to be initial alignment um, because you can't say yes to everyone and everything. So I remember when my friend Allie had reached out to me, I probably had like looked at her Instagram, was gauging like what's her style, what's her taste. Because look, we all do it, whether we you know want to admit it or not. We do it especially for the guys that we're about to go on a date with. Like I've heard many stories of people, both sides of the coin. Guys do this, girls do this. They meet a guy on an app. They're about to go on a date and you fucking Google the shit out of them. Don't even deny it. Okay, most people do this. But hey, that's also how you kind of figure out does there seem to be some sort of like common ground, some sort of alignment, things like that. Um, so I would give a major tip too. If you're sliding into people's DMs, do not ever leave it, like showcase why you're interested. I recently had someone slide into my dms and um she seems like we could you know it seems like we could like chat and have things to talk about but she was she didn't really make it clear she she said she wanted to grab coffee but she didn't make it clear as to like what her interest was i feel like in the past someone else would be like oh you know i see that you do this and like we have a like-minded in this or someone else is like hey i want to talk to you about this that you're specifically doing they want to like inquire and like get my input on whatever they want to get advice from me things like that it's okay like be honest with what your intention is but there's nothing that I think is more of a disrespect a little bit kind of thing if you don't really share why you're reaching out it kind of seems weird like hey I just want to see if you want to get coffee it's like okay sure but for what like why you know so word of advice Try to be as explicit and honest as you can because the other person might perceive it as like, well, why do you want to meet coffee? You know, it would seem very like confusing. So be clear in your communication. 
Another app that would probably be good, I've had some girlfriends use this, but Bumble BFF, do not be embarrassed. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I personally have not used it, but like I said, I have no fear in sliding into people's DMs. So, or, you know, I'm not afraid to like respond to people either who slide into mine. And I know people that have used Bumble BFF, but like would refuse to slide into people's DMs on Instagram because they were too nervous about that. So just figure out what works for you. But remember, don't be embarrassed about wanting to make new friends. That is part of life. You will go through this cycle many times in your life and you're not going to always have friends around you in the same proximity. So you have to get used to this life skill of honestly just meeting new people and finding new ways to meet people and connect and figure out what the values are or or what is typically a common denominator in what aligns with you and another person. I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also with ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game, to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others, as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and weekly check-ins with myself. And of course, when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. (laughs) Shop the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's what fulfills you 10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy. Another big one, which is similar to what I'm doing here by myself in Paris, is like going out like the old ways. So try by yourself first. Um, a basic one would be going to a cafe, a coffee shop on your own. The next step would probably be like dinner. So you go to dinner and eat at the bar or like go but just maybe for a glass of wine maybe start at a place you've been before so it takes out the variable of like the unknown I did this before when I would go out to um, like this bar it's like a restaurant bar in New York City before I lived in New York I went to a place I was at before so I knew what to expect I knew the setting I knew the type of people I knew the dress code, all of that. It made it very easy so that once I got there, I was like, okay, I know what to do. And if you are out by yourself, especially if like you're eating dinner, you're at the bar, force yourself to start conversations with people. In New York, it's easy to ask where someone is from and then from there, see where the conversation goes because some pe- sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm visiting or sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm from here, you know? So it's it's really awesome when you start with something like that because you can usually pivot a little bit easier and figure out ways to go oh okay like that's so cool like why are you here that you know it's like if they're from out of town or from another country you can kind of ask more about them and people appreciate when you show interest in learning more about them but don't fake that interest either that that can be people can feel that energy And another great option, something I have done and I still do, go to a lounge or a nice bar. Pick a spot that is talking-oriented, though, so not like a rowdy bar, 
but um, I, you know, in this case, this would usually be like a nicer cocktail lounge, and if that's your style, that's great because for me, that's how I've met a lot of people, both dating wise and like new friends, just by going out and having a drink, and I would just be observing. Like I, I didn't feel uncomfortable because if you tell yourself you feel weird and uncomfortable, you're gonna make yourself feel that. So when you go, just own the night, own the moment, own whatever your intention is and it doesn't hurt to look hot okay so being honest with you guys if you ever do something where you're going out by yourself just look good that doesn't mean like dress very openly but dress where it makes you feel confident because that energy will exude on your face and your body language but I do want to reiterate do not settle just because you feel lonely and you don't feel like you have that many friends I will be honest I think the biggest strength of mine I had in my early 20s during the time specifically when I had little to no friends so this was like junior year of college my biggest strength was being able to distance myself from certain people even though I had hopes we'd be good friends But once I saw certain differences in values and lifestyle tastes, like for example, one of them enjoyed smoking and that just is not my thing. And that doesn't mean, again, it's not like a right or wrong thing, but, and also too, if you have someone that does it occasionally, totally different. And if you're okay with that, that's totally fine. But if it's like part of someone's lifestyle, well then, you know, there you go. That's like a different lifestyle taste and different preference of living and things you want to do together and so even though at the time I was like oh like we're classmates and you know we had a good chance to be close friends I just knew that we we weren't going to though because we just had very different interests and different values and that's okay right but I would have suffered more if I settled because then at some point our friendship would have been distant anyways because why we weren't in alignment and that's just like any relationship when you and a ex-partner break up you realize well we just weren't in alignment and um, we didn't have that natural compatibility and some of the chemistry that is you know needed in a lot of strong relationships and I also want to reiterate as well that just because you do go out and do things on your own it doesn't mean you have little to no friends like you could still do that even when you do have a great group of friends but you're still always intrigued to meet new people I myself do that in fact I'm here in Paris by myself doing that and probably by the time I release this episode I'll be in Milan and I will get to practice my Italiano but that in my opinion is just the beauty of life you get to see a lot and experience a lot when you do some of it by yourself not saying you should be completely isolating yourself and only travel by yourself or only go out to eat or go only go out by yourself but I will say it's nice to have that option to like not only be able to go on a trip only if a friend comes with you right I like both options I like being able to be like hey do you want to come with me And if it's like doesn't fit their schedule, but I still want to go, I like that I can still go because it's not contingent on what someone else is able to do or not. And I think that's very important to have that kind of independence in both your own life for all areas of your life, but then also in the future, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. I think that 
we can subconsciously get into that tendency of relying on someone else or wanting them to do everything with us. And it's important to keep that independence, learn how to continue to grow on our own in the journey of this beautiful life. And I will leave you guys with this. From my experience, I've had the most success in transitions and in in my my corporate career and in honestly a lot of areas of my life when I was very specific about I what about what I wanted. And some of you right now might be like, "Well, Emily, like how the fuck do I figure out what I exactly want?" Well, you first have to be really honest with yourself because I think truthfully Deep down, we all actually know what we want, but we are afraid to acknowledge it out loud. We are afraid to admit it to ourselves. Let's say we want, you know, to be making $200,000 a year, right? If that's what you want, okay, then what kind of job fits that? Or what would you need to be doing per month in your business, right? If that's what you want, then then once you expose yourself to that, then you realize what it takes to work through that. And I think that right there sometimes is what scares us, is like the effort or of, of, of what we need to do in order to get what we want. I remember I walked into my corporate job interview. This was like the second to last interview. There was four rounds. And on the final one, I straight up looked at the VP. We shook hands and... I was like, thank you, Joe. I will see you on Monday. Monday is the final interview because that's the day they invite you to shadow. And I think this interview I had was on a Thursday. And I was like, I'll see you on Monday. And I remember that story was told around the office or something because people were like, this girl had like such confidence. And I, (laughs) and that's the thing too. It's like, you have to like, just take the leap and be distinctive and and be confident in being like that's what I fucking want like I said you know I knew I wanted to go to school in Southern California for college did people try to convince me not to go absolutely did people try to be like Emily you should have a backup plan and apply to schools on the east coast and maybe consider more on the east coast just in case like I'm like just in case does not exist in my mind what if or just in case or what if I don't get the job? That doesn't exist in my mind. I want to reiterate that to you guys. Practice realizing that that is just not an option. I was taught this mentality by a good friend of mine, Mike Yu. He's been on this podcast two or three times now. Just look up the episode with Mike Yu. He has a lot of great things on psychology. He's taught me a lot through the dynamics of relationships and dating and and closing deals and all of these things. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned is when you're precise in what you want and you don't allow yourself to recognize any other option except what you want, somehow, some way, you end up getting what you wanted and what you desired. So I will leave you guys with that. Think about it. And I hope you guys can slowly shift into this mindset as well. That was all for the episode. Thank you for tuning in to this lovely little live from Paris segment. I hope the quality 
turned out well. And in honor of this episode just being about transitions and life and prepping for postgrad and whatever it is that you are in right now, I did release a career ebook guide back in spring 2020. So that was actually two years ago. Holy shit. Um, but anyways, I know that ebook has been really helpful for a lot of you guys who have bought it in the past. So for those of you who haven't heard about it before, because I haven't been promoting it over the past eight months, or if you knew about it, but you're finally more interested in getting your hands on it, you can grab it on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. And I will do a nice little 10% off for the next couple of weeks. You can use the code ADULTING, which I'm only going to be sharing on Instagram stories and this episode here. So the code is ADULTING at check out at whatfulfillsyou.com you get 10% off the ebook and you can check out the description but the ebook includes LinkedIn tips resume tips cover letter tips how to dress for interviews um, where to buy certain clothes like where I buy my business oriented type clothes all of that good stuff so I share all of that in the ebook and again you can grab it at whatfulfillsyou.com Thanks again for listening. I will chat with you all next week.